Amen, amen. You may be seated. We're going to do something special. I'm going to tell you about it in just a moment. But before we do, I want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you. And you'll hear it again on Sunday. But last night was just fantastic. Our team got in there, cooked fish, served, set up tables. We had a great time. Tim Teague, our good friend, came and made the presentation for Light for the Lost. Our Greenville section were able, there were more pledges that came in, guys, after we left. We raised almost $12,000 in pledges from the Greenville section. And I just want to thank everyone that participated, everyone that was involved here early and stayed late and helped us set up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, I failed to celebrate Sunday. Uh, last week ago, Tuesday, we hosted again uh, the North Texas Food Bank, and we were able to serve 250 families and 1,000 individuals with food. So thank you for making that happen. Amen? Amen. Sunday, there will be a baby shower for Emily O'Neill, and that's going to be, I'm sorry, Saturday, October 23rd from 2 to 4, come and go, and that will be uh, in the Kids View area. She's having a little boy, and uh, that's going to be from 2 to 4 on Saturday, Emily O'Neill. And uh, so if you want more information, you'll see that on the overhead. Also, uh, youth events that are coming up, October events, Wednesday the 27th, the youth are having their annual costume party. Uh, the 31st will be Fall Festival at the Brarner's House, and this is for the youth. And then uh, that's all we got today. Amen. But you're wondering what this is down here, but I'm wondering what it is too. We're going to do something. Uh, we're going to do something. I believe that you'll enjoy tonight. You're not going to hear one preacher. You're going to hear three preachers tonight. All right. We got a group of folks under the leadership of Randall Mitchell that are going through what we used to be called the District School of Ministry, but it's been renamed the Study Group. And there's 15, 16 students that are in there, and they are studying, um, credentialing materials getting the Bible-based uh, doctrinal things as pertaining to ministry, but we came up with the idea of just giving them some exposure to the pulpit. And so I thought, there's so many students, why don't we just get them in here in mass? So we're going to do this once a month, but the, we're going to call this Take 10. It's not an original idea. There's going to be a timer on the back. They have 10 minutes to present to you heaven and earth, hell and eternity and everything they know, and they're going to do that in 10 whole minutes. And so they're going to, once that 10-minute mark goes off, there's a, there's a whistle down here that's going to sound. So if you're, if you're finished, uh, that's great. If you're not, you're finished, okay? 10 minutes, you got 10 minutes. You think, well, that seems a little cruel. We had to give an entire presentation for missions in three minutes, so we're giving them an extra seven tonight. But would you right now, Lance Simpson is going to be our first speaker tonight. And Lance is going to come up. Now, all right, just, just some ground rules. He, when he takes the microphone, the timer starts. You watch the, you watch the timer. And in 10 minutes, the whistle goes off. All right, here, Lance, take it away. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate it. Well, I'm a little bit nervous tonight, so when I get that way, I speak a little fast sometimes. So if you need an interpreter, just get with Stacy or Kelsey back there. Maybe they can help you. But uh, I, 
talk to you a little bit tonight was the Lord's been putting on my heart for a, for a long time now. And uh, sorry, I'm already getting emotional. Uh, <clears throat> this last couple of weeks, I've been preparing for this and, and just talking to God and studying. And uh, but what's really on my heart is about worry, talking about worry and fear. I'm telling you, born again believers, born again, born again believers, should not be struggling with fear. Okay, I'm telling you this, and I'm telling you this because I struggled with it for years and years. But I'm telling you tonight, there is freedom. There's freedom. There's scripture. God gives a scripture all throughout the Bible about fear, about worry, and tells us not to be, these are commandments that he's given us. And there's a, so many I can pick out. This one, I want to start out with it. It's close to me because there was a time one morning when I was worried about something and the Holy Spirit spoke this to me and I went to it. So it's Isaiah 41 10. I'm not going to ask anybody to turn there due to time. But it says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Listen. The Holy Spirit works through knowledge. And I wasn't, I wasn't just delivered like all of a sudden, you know. I mean, people can be delivered from anything. God wants to deliver them from it was a process for me. And I'm telling you tonight that you got to get in. I want to tell you tonight, you got to get into the Word of God. Okay? I had a wake up call uh, one morning in a life class. Pastor Andrew was preaching, teaching, and she talked about how the time frame that she studies her Bible and stuff, and, and, and I know not everybody has that, but, and I, and I don't, but it woke me up. I, I got to thinking, man, I opened my Bible up maybe on Sundays or Wednesdays when I'm in church. And you can't have a, if you're not in the Word of God, taking it in, you, 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 it's hard to have a relationship with Him. Okay? And you can't, and I'm telling you tonight, you can't go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays and have a relationship either. It's going to, it has to be daily. You have to get in the Word of God daily. I'm telling you, if you can't read it for 15 minutes a day, start out doing that. But technology we have today, everybody has a cell phone. There's YouTube. I'm telling you, I spend my time driving to work and driving home listening to sermons. I'm getting fed one way or the other. If you're not getting fed by this, you're getting fed by the world. And I'm telling you, you need to get this in your you need to get this in your heart. You need to get this in your bones. You're fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. The Lord spoke to us about, I, I won't ever forget, it's June 4th, 2020. He spoke a few things to us, to, to, to Stacy and to Kelsey. And one of those things is, and he was very stern about this. He said, there will be no more disbelief. And I'm telling you, when you talk, when you when you worry, worry is doubt. Doubt 
is unbelief. And when you worry, it brings in fear. And you can't walk in fear and faith at the same time. And I, Pastor Annie, I'm going to quote her. She said this in life class a while back, that fear is a faith killer. But I'm telling you today, faith is a fear killer. You know, the Holy Spirit told me not too long ago, woke me up in my sleep and said, faith, faith will position you to receive. So I'm telling you, my own personal experience, the, the struggles I've had with fear, with worry, I mean, and I'm not talking about physical fear of uh, someone coming after me, you know, it's this right here. It's fear of, uh, what something happens to me? Who's going to take care of my family? You know, if I get a, a pain, oh my gosh, what is that? You know, it's worry and fear after fear. I've been at work before and hear the door slam. The supervisor's like, oh my gosh, is that about me? Are they talking about me? That is crazy. And a Christian should not live their life that way. But I'm telling you today, there's true believers out there who struggle with this. And this is for you. Whoever this is for tonight, you need to take heed to the word. You need to get this in you. And you need to walk in it daily. I mean, the Bible tells us to surrender daily. Surrender daily. Take up your cross daily. I'm telling you, I can't, personally, I can't, if I go a few days, I'm, I'm struggling. I have to stay into this. I have to keep fed. You know, you won't find another church. I'm going to brag on our pastors because I'm telling you, you come here, you're going to get fed, and you're going to get fed steak. But if, that's, if you eat one day a week, you're going you're gonna to get spiritually. You're going to get physically sick, but you're going to get spiritually sick. You've got to stay on top of it. I'm telling you. I'm running out of time here. <laughs> Jeremiah 17, 5, 8 says, I got to put my glasses on. Thus says the Lord, cursed is a man whose trust in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when his prosperity comes, but will live in stony waste in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. But blessed is the man whose trust in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be, plant, be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes. But its leaves will be green and will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. Our circumstances can change minute to minute every day. We wake up. That's why you got to be prepared. Get your armor on. Take. I, I don't. I'm not saying this to boast or anything, but if I leave for work and I'm driving down the road and I realize I don't have my Bible, I'm going back and getting it. And I may not get to a whole lot of chances to read it out, read it during the day, but it's with me. It's with me. I sleep with it sometimes. <laughs> but that verse was what really spoke to me. Uh, and what really stood out is the part where it says, "Will not fear." when the heat comes, okay? You don't ever know when the heat's going to get turned up. And I'm telling you guys right now, I'm not downplaying here. We've all had struggles in life and, and bad things happen. But you can see the world around you right now. It's changing daily and it's not getting any better. But you don't have to fear. I'm telling you, you can have joy. Just
just like salvation is a free gift from God. Joy is supernatural gift from God. And you can have joy in the midst of chaos. I'm telling you, I went from, I mean, there was times that I would worry and fear, and I'm, I'm just being honest with you, that I can became almost physically sick. And that's, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> but I'm telling you today, I stand before you and tell you that I am free. And I am free from it because of this. Because you have to get the word in you. Nobody's going to do it for you. Nobody's going to do it for you. I mean, you're going to have their best preaching and teaching around here. But still, you have to work. You have to activate. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit lives in you, but you have to activate him. You have to work. It takes work. It takes sacrifice. It takes commitment every day. Because you never know what's going to happen. You don't know what's lying around the corner. And I'm out of time. Just about. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forsake the temptation of just spinning off of that and keep going forward uh, with that message. Uh, good job, Lance. Patty Fogelman is our next speaker. Come on, let's welcome Patty. She's going to tell us what this is about right here. you talked about fear. Maybe I won't be so afraid and so nervous there, Lance. Randall challenged us during our classes to um, learn the Assembly of God's 16 Fundamental Doctrines. And number 10 is, my heart is really drawn to number 10. God designed the church for a purpose and a mission. As a mom, mom of a missionary, I have become, it's become part of our family, a part of our life. God, he gave us the great commission found in Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the, the Holy Spirit. Because God's main purpose concern mankind is to save people who are lost in sin, our church is designed to be an agency for God to evangelize the world. As we see in Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. We need people who are called to be, called to present the gospel. In Romans 10.14-16, Paul asks, how then shall they call on him who they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of who they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings to good things. Isn't it reassuring to know that our pastor and his wife and Randall and the rest of the preachers that are in here have beautiful feet because God, they are following God's... Um, calling on their life. Recently, our district superintendent, Galen Clanch, challenged us to be world changers. There are over 2,000 
languages without a written Bible. There are 3.2 billion people with no knowledge of the saving uh, of our Savior Jesus Christ. There is an urgency to send out missionaries and laborers into the harvest field. I want you to think about this question. What can we do to be a laborer? We can all be part of the mission endeavor of this church. God provided the Holy Spirit to give us boldness in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If you listen to God's call, you can be world changers. Okay, I'm sure y'all are wondering what this is all about. I have taken Dr. Clonch's um, illustration. I put a little twist on it. This is me and my husband. These are our children, our sisters, brothers, cousins, aunts, uncles, all of our relatives, our family. This is you. This is our church. This is everyone that's in here, everyone that we have touched while we've been in church. And that is our Jerusalem. The church is the gathering of believers, and we are to reach out to those who are broken, grieving, in the hospital, and in need. Sometimes a smile, a hug, a phone call, a card in the mail is important, but the most important thing that we can do as believers is to invite them to church. This is my Judea, our Judea. This is our community. These are the people that we see in the streets, the stores, the gym, workplace, schools. Who do you t touch every day in your life? How can you show kindness to them to bring the love of Jesus? Pastor talked about the food distribution. Each month through the end of the year, we have a few food distribution. Can you be take a few hours on a Tuesday morning and be part of that? Bagging up groceries, handing them to people. There's nothing more rewarding than a thank you, bless you, and a smile from them. Maybe you can start a home Bible study as... Um, Belinda has done and Angel has participated in. Or maybe you can attend one of theirs and invite somebody to it. Offer to babysit a single mom. Shop for a shut-in. We were grateful during COVID that we had people that were bringing us food. Bake or cook something for somebody that has moved in or have had a baby or have just gotten out of the hospital and take it to them. Um, Fish has a distribution at um, Thanksgiving, and they need people to help box up the food and stuff. This one is my Samaria, our Samaria. It's the brokenhearted. It's the one, the outcast. Jesus sat at, by the woman at the well, and she sp he spoke to her. got saved, but she brought other people to come to know him. We have people in our church that are reaching out to the Samaria Greenville. How can you invest in their ministry? 
Cheryl has her transition housing. And when she's, when people are leaving her and going to their apartment, they need different things for their apartment. I also know that Cheryl collects um, old purses and gives them to the homeless during the winter time or the ladies with needs to the ladies and stuff and blankets, jackets, coats, um, scarves. Do you crochet? Do you knit? Can you make hats for them, scarves for them, blankets? Uh, blankets for the nursing home. I found out recently there's little octopuses with the, the tentacles or whatever that's hanging down on them. The babies in the um, NICUs, they, they give them to them to hold them to, um, because it's something like the umbilical cord. And it comforters, comforts the newborn babies that have to be in the NIC ICU. Um, Yvonne and Thurman, they do outreaches. What can you do? Can you flip a hamburger or cook a hot dog? Uh, John and Rachel Stout, our missionary friends, it's kind of funny, is John almost looks like our son Adam. And he, they do Runner's Refuge, and they're out of South Dallas, and they um, are remodeling an apartment complex. They are, they have Saturday outreaches, and they touch the people in South Dallas. Ken and Tammy Pryor are missionaries. They're at the Los Dove Ranch, and they reach out to the orphans and the foster kids. What can we do to support them during their camps? Another one is Pleasant Hills Children's Home. There's needs there where they need food, clothing, and different things for their kids, Christmas presents. And then the ends of the earth. that don't know Jesus. This is the ends of the earth. And we are, rich, we are to reach the people on the ends of the earth. Our church supports missionaries around the world. The sun never sets on the work that this church does because of the missionaries. Some of our church members have missionaries that are serving. Judy Evans has a niece in Germany. Philena Hargrave's nephew and his, his wife are in Kenya. My son is in, um, serving in South Africa. Fortunately, he's home on itineration right now. Liz in Mexico, reaching the people that are in sex trafficking. The world missionaries, there's almost 3,000 missionaries across the globe planting churches, discipling pastors, water wells, schools, orphans, sex trafficking, Naomi Kazo has a teaches farming and she has a school. There's Bibles that are being translated by Beverly Mosley with Wycliffe. There's coffee shops for missionaries that can't um, have churches. Some missionaries just put their lives on in danger um, just because they're part of countries that they, you can't have missionaries. How can you help? You can number one pray. There's a missionary, Becky McGee. She has had COVID. She ha is having problems breathing. She's been on a ventilator. They've moved her to rehab, even though that she's still having problems breathing. And her, her husband claims scriptures on the there. You can give and you can go. Isaiah 6, 8 through 9 said, I 
heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Thank you. Praise the Lord. Give her another hand. Amen. Good job. Last but certainly not least, we want to ask Sam Coy to come right now. He's pulling up his notes. Time starts when you touch the microphone. Or if it touches you. Well, folks, I thought I was giving a message about David and Goliath that I was well prepared for. And uh, the Holy Spirit gave me a lesson on patience. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Uh, patience. The dictionary definition of patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate trouble or suffering without getting angry or upset. For believers, patience is enduring or waiting as a determination of will. It's not just enduring trials as a matter of necessity. Patience is a strong determination of will to victoriously overcome the negative things we encounter according to God's will. For me personally, patience was something that I struggled with. Um, I know that uh, we all struggle with one thing or another. For me, it was, it was patience. Uh, I'm not talking about uh, waiting in traffic. Uh, I know anybody who's stuck in traffic gets a little frustrated. We get a little bit upset. Uh, that's, just, that's just life, and, and we all understand that. But that's not what I'm talking about. The patience that I'm referring to is waiting on the Lord. And in my particular instance, I failed that test. That's what the lesson was for me today. Uh, I made the mistake that Abraham and Sarah did. We were, we were waiting so long, we decided, well, I'm just going to do something on my own because obviously the Lord isn't coming through on this, so I need to do something on my own. And, and that's always a disaster. Every single time, it's a disaster. Please don't do that. Uh, thankfully... God has grace and patience for us. Every single time, he's got patience for us. Every single time, he's got grace for us. Uh, for me, his timing was perfect. I couldn't deal with the timing. That's the issue that I had. But praise God, I'm delivered from that. Praise God. When we talk about patience, we need patience the most when we feel like using it the least. Our greatest need for patience is when we're in our in a lull in our spiritual life, maybe some maybe some doubt, and we just don't feel the assurance that God is near. Patience is more than just gritting your teeth and enduring pain or suffering. Patience is the grace of a person who could revenge a wrong but doesn't. Patience allows us to endure injuries and evil deeds without being provoked to anger or revenge. It's a steadfastness of soul under provocation to right or wrong, or even the score with someone, but choosing not to do so. Patience is also the tenacity with which a Christian's faith holds to the promises of God, even though he may feel much more like the conquered instead of the conqueror. This kind of patience doesn't come easily. 
It's developed by walking closely with him. It comes from trusting in him, even when his love and blessing seems obscured by a dark cloud of problems and difficulties hanging over your head. In my particular case, I chose to look through the lens of my circumstances that a lot of us do. And so what happens is we get caught up in whatever's going on in our life and we walk away from our relationship with the Lord. And so instead of spending time and being focused on the Lord in worship and prayer, we end up just wallowing in our, in our pit and focusing on our circumstances. Patience continues to trust when that trust doesn't seem to be delivering the desired results. It continues in obedience to God, whether signs of his love are visible or not. Patience means different things to different people. What is patience for a three-year-old waiting for his birthday or Christmas? What is patience for a pastor who has a vision for what a church can be and do in their community, yet he must patiently, prayerfully explain, encourage, challenge, and build a consensus within the congregation to commit, for them to commit to the vision and help realize it. Our God is patient. God is infinitely patient, slow to anger. How can we possibly hope to obtain even a small measure of that kind of patience in our own hearts? Exodus 34, 6 says God's patience is full of compassion. Psalms 86.15 tells us God's patience is full of love. 2 Peter 3.15 says God's patience is an opportunity for people to trust and repent. In this world today, we are very results-oriented. Uh, I'm a technology guy. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember dial-up. remember waiting for that carrier signal. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I, I, had, I had horrible internet back then. And... and uh, my dial-up service was, was horrible, and, and uh, I, I'd wait three, four, five minutes for that carrier signal. And, uh, you know, now you just hit a button. You're online in three to ten seconds, depending on your operating system and your, and your signal. And as we think about that, you know, why is patience important to us? Patience is important to us because we're in a disposable society. The, uh, we want instant gratification. Give it to me now. Give it to me now. Give it to me now. But that's not what we're supposed to do. That's not what we're called to. What does patience do? Patience allows us to have grace. Patience allows us to help understand other people. Patience allows us to, um, you know, when the Bible says be slow to anger, you know, you, you do that because you have patience. That's what that's all about. You know, we all have issues. Uh, we all face problems, problems with our spouses, our vehicles, computers, cell phones, finances, problems with our jobs, delays, waiting for uh, appointments, paperwork, things like that. And they're not necessarily anyone's fault. The world just isn't a perfect place. But how do we respond to those problems? How do we respond to those, those issues? Uh, you know, often people get irritated, frustrated, and upset. Sometimes people start complaining. Sometimes people start blaming others and getting upset with people. As believers, we can't allow the old man to reign over 
us in any area of our life. We can't let our sinful nature take control and rage and anger. We need to have calm and quiet hearts. Remember when God appeared to Elijah, he didn't appear in the fire or the earthquake or the great wind, but in a still small voice. We need to have patience when we're persecuted. And that's what long suffering is. In the, um, in the New Testament, in the Greek, that word is macrothumia. Uh, it's a compound word of two words, macros meaning long or big, and thumia, which means temper. It literally means long temper as opposed to short temper. You know, the Bible gives us a lot of opportunities to see what patience is. Galatians 5.22 says patience is a fruit of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13.4 says love is patient. 2 Timothy 2.24, the servant of the Lord must be patient when wrong. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says be patient with everyone. Patience is required to endure through trials. The Bible says endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Being patient through trials helps us to become better people. Each time we patiently endure a trial, it helps us to become more patient in general. The Bible teaches us that we should be, we should be patient with others because God is patient with us. In showing patience through forgiveness, the Bible says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Remember this the next time you become impatient with others. The Bible teaches us that we should be patient, whether it's while we're going through trials, dealing with people, or waiting on God. Patience is the characteristic we should all strive for. Come on, let's give all of them another. The beauty about being the pastor, I can do it as long as I want to. But anyway, one quick verse I want to share with you. Turn that timer off. One quick verse I want to share with you. Turn with me, if you will. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians 15 and 55. I want to share something I read this week, and I, I, I believe it's going to help you tonight. How many know that God has given us this treasure in earthen vessels? Amen? And it is our obligation, our passion, our purpose to release that gift that God has given us. Now, I was reading uh, Tertullian this morning or this week, Tertullian, and I want to bring reference to the passage of Scripture here that Paul is talking about death here in the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, verse uh, verse 54 and 55. Oh, when this corruptible has put on incorruption, can you say amen? This mortal has put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying which is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? Tertullian said this, he said that life is the antagonist against death. Antagonist is a person who is actively opposed and hostile 
toward the other, the opponent. Do you realize that he, the life giver, lives inside of you? And his, Jesus couldn't show up to a funeral because life is such an antagonist to death. That death has no hope. It doesn't have any sting. Hell has no victory because life steps in and takes away the sting of death. Takes away the sting of death. It takes away the reward of hell. The life giver lives inside of you. Thank you, Patty, for showing us the not just to our Jerusalem, but our Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. Thank you, Lance, for showing us tonight that we have no need to fear because the one who chases fear out of us lives on the inside of us. And thank you, Sam, for reminding us that God has perfect timing and he knows full well what he's doing. Let me encourage you with these last words as we close tonight. Understand this. God is not a part of your plan. You are a part of God's plan. That's where the power comes from. That veil has been torn from top to bottom, and the life of the Lord Jesus Christ lives in here, and he despises death. He despises it. He is an antagonist. I believe that's where Elijah, his spirit came from as he was standing there and said, Oh, you death bearers, just come on up in here and show me your fire. Why don't your powers of death, why don't you just show up and show us uh, the answer in your images of death? And he mocked them because he knew full well death was not going to show up or show out. But he said the fire of God will come at the end of that prayer and consume consume that sacrifice and transform that nation folks we need the fire to fall again amen we need the fire to burn deep and rich inside of us do we get to the place where we say god i want the fiery life of god to flow through me father through us in the name of the lord jesus god we magnify your name and lord i just pray right now that you'll cause such a revelation of the release of the power of God in every heart and every believer. Lord, let us begin to feel and hear the voice of the one antagonizing death. Death, where is your sting? Hell, you have no victory. We're going to empty you out in this generation because we are life givers through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen.